Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Okay, I want to say good morning to everyone at Philadelphia Tabernacle. Come on, let's greet our family in Philly. Bless you guys and everyone as, uh, again on our online family. What a blessing that we have to be able to be worshiping the Lord, seeking the Lord, learning from God together in a variety of places. This week is our last week in our Keys to Fellowship series. And um, this series, I, I believe, is very, very important. If you feel like, man, I didn't fully get it, go back and listen again and take your time and drink this in. As I said, First John is, a, is a, the John, the Apostle John, taking on the role of a fellowship coach to all of us. He's teaching us how to fellowship. Today's fellowship hack is probably the most practical and the one we need most often because this hits us in a very, very um, consistent, we struggle with something consistently and so this is a key to fellowship that is vitally important and, and, and fellowship is so important. And let me give you a, a quick example. Um, Sometimes, like this can happen in, uh, well, let me put it this way. Let's say you have a close friend, right? So you've got a, a, a real close friend, and, and when you, and let's say you haven't seen your very close friend. Actually, I had a close friend in town this past week. So guy I played baseball with since I was 13. So when I saw him, his name was Eddie. I gave him a hug, big, big dude. I gave him a hug. He gave me a hug. He even gave me a kiss on the cheek. Like, it was so funny, like, and we had the, we laughed, we talked about baseball, we were, I was in a hotel lobby, we were just talking nonstop, and, and you know, we had a whole thing going on, all these people around. Now, let's say, for example, I brought a friend with me who didn't know Eddie, right? I'm like, Ed, what's up? We're hugging, and, and all of this, and we're having this moment, and then I would say, this is my friend, James. And they would say, hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. And they would shake hands. Okay? Why? I'm super familiar. I'm super close with Eddie. This guy just met Eddie. Okay? So that's common. So a lot of times we come to know Jesus and because of what I'm going to talk about today, Instead of your relationship with God getting to the point that when you wake up in the morning and you go read, you're like, Jesus, I love you. Hey, and you're hugging and you're having this time with God. Your relationship never goes past. Nice to meet you, sir. In fact, a lot of times, this is an interesting thing. Like sometimes even in Christian marriages, Sometimes one person is closer to God than the other. And they both come to church. They both hear the same messages. 
Um, and yet, somehow, for some reason, sometimes you see one person really grows in God, and they have all of this kind of, like, this kind of warmth with God, this joy. This, and then the other one, it's like, it's like there's, it's, they stand off. Why? It's because, everybody in Philly, it's because of what we're going to talk about today. And listen. In our hearts, when we're at home, if we don't fellowship with God, we're kind of off. It's just off. You know, everything could be great, but, but if you're not really having fellowship with God, things kind of get off. And it is impossible to walk around with joy and peace. Joy and peace do not come from this world. It is impossible to walk around with joy and peace. You may have momentary happiness. You may have temporary rest, but joy and peace, this comes from another world. This comes from the Prince of Peace. This comes from the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so you can't have real joy and peace if you're not experiencing fellowship. Everyone say fellowship. fellowship. If you're not experiencing fellowship with the Lord. And if you kind of, when I put those two illustrations, if you get close, if you find yourselves where someone feels really close to God and you feel like the odd man out, this message is especially important for you. It's for all of us because all of us uh, 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 can struggle with this. So today's message in a way speaks with to the difference between that kind of, um, I feel really close and I'm good. I'm so happy in Jesus or I feel unfamiliar. So even as I, as I prepare to start unpacking this, here's a good question. How do you feel? How's your comfort level with the Lord? 1 John chapter 3, just a couple of verses, very, very important. 1 John chapter 3 says, verse 19 says this. This is how we know that we belong to the truth. And how we set our hearts at rest. In his presence. Let me read that one more time. This is how we know we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Fellowship means that your heart is at rest in the presence of God. Okay, and you're in, uh, uh, everybody in Philadelphia, when you leave the church today and when you sit in the car by yourself or when you go home and you, you sit uh, on the couch and you, you're having your, uh, your grilled ham and cheese for lunch, when you sit there, you might be at rest in your home, but are you at rest in his presence? You might go to places and do things today, even today, when we're done here. You might do things that you're like going to really, really enjoy, but are you at rest in his presence? Because fellowship means that we're at, uh, 
we are at rest. Our hearts are at rest in his presence. And so here's what the Bible continues to say. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts, if our hearts, if your heart, if your heart here does not condemn you, right? We have confidence before God. Do you have confidence in the presence of God? Do you have confidence to walk in to the throne room of grace today? Do you have the courage to just barge in and say, hey, I'm going, I'm going to go jump on daddy's lap? Or do you feel like you need a five-part invitation? This is what the Bible is talking about. It says, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and we receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what he pleases. When you have confidence with God, you ask him courageously. You have no problem saying, Jesus, I need this. Daddy, I need this. Daddy, take care of this. Hallelujah. And so... The Bible is saying here something that's very, very important. It's saying, stop agreeing. The title of the message today is Stop Agreeing. Everybody say, Stop Agreeing. Stop Agreeing, stop agreeing with what? Stop Agreeing with who? Well, this is a very interesting thing. Because the what and the who that we're talking about is always with you. The what and the who that we're talking about never leaves you. Okay, what is he saying? Stop agreeing. He's saying, stop agreeing with your heart. If you want to have fellowship with God, this is a very important key to fellowship with God. You have to learn how to, everyone, stop agreeing. Some people are plagued. Some people are tormented because some people are stifled and down and discouraged because they can't stop agreeing with their own heart. And what we have to do, I know that this might, this may sound radical, this may sound Crazy, but here the Bible is saying, if your heart condemns you, everyone, stop agreeing. Come on, say it one more time. Stop agreeing in Philadelphia. Stop agreeing with your heart. Now, this is a strange word, isn't it? You see? But a lot of times we don't realize how important this is because we don't understand condemnation. If our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts. Hallelujah, listen, and he knows everything. He knows everything. So you're like, well, 
you don't know me. Yes, Jesus knows you. Jesus knows you better than you. So we're going to pray in a moment, but what does condemnation mean? Condemnation is the act of declaring something awful or evil. And sometimes over ourselves. Condemnation means that there is this internal part of you that if you're not operating in faith, you actually give in to condemnation. Now, the devil plays a huge role in it, but it just naturally, the Bible says the Lord's written on our hearts and we are mindful of our own failure. We are mindful of our own negative motives, our own ugliness, and that mindfulness, because we're mindful of that, if we focus too much on that and we listen to that voice all the time, then it breaks fellowship with God. We have to stop agreeing with that because even on your worst day, how many know God loves you with a perfect, everlasting love? Anybody here? Hallelujah. He loves you with an everlasting love. And we have to stop agreeing with the internal self-declaration of awfulness and evil and condemnation and saying, you know why that person is so blessed? That person is so blessed because they God loves them more, but God doesn't love me because of what's in my everyone. This is a big deal. Um, this is a very, very powerful, very, very powerful thing. So today, to this morning, we're talking about what's going on in your heart today. And we want to teach you how to deal with your own heart. If you can learn how to deal with your own heart by faith, if you could take on what the Word of God says, what Christ in the fullness of his glory has done, it will transform your heart. You're gonna walk with joy. You're gonna walk with peace. Anybody here want some joy and peace? Hallelujah. You gotta learn how to deal with your own heart. So, so before we unpack this, come on, let's lift our hands. Let's lift our hands right now. Every person, come on, lift your hands like a little baby reaches out to their mom or dad. Let's reach out to our heavenly father. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you, Lord, that you did it all. You paid it all. It's all taken care of, and we have full access. We can come boldly. We can come confidently. God, I pray that, that today you would teach our hearts to be at rest in your presence. God, teach us to be at rest in your presence when we're at home, when we're at work, wherever we go, God. May we walk at rest in your presence. Do this, Lord God. Put us at rest in your presence. Bless this word. God, I pray that this truth would dismantle lies today. I pray that this truth would break down years of negative self-talk in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that feelings, oh God, that are self-heart generated, Lord, where we look down on ourselves and put ourselves down. Today, God, I declare that those things will be broken in the name of Jesus, oh God. Do it by your mighty power from the youngest believer to the oldest. 
God, we invite you in. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to break yokes. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I want to I wanna keep going with um, explaining what condemnation means. Condemnation is subtle. Condemnation is invisible. Nobody can really know if you're condemned. You may say things that give clues that you're condemned, but nobody really knows this. But this happens, can happen all day. In fact, this is one of Satan's favorite tactics. He just wants to keep you down on yourself in your heart. He just wants to keep you negative. He wants to keep you full of these feelings that say, you are the odd man out. So look, I got a, I got a 20 second clip that will really uh, uh, explain this in a real, uh, I think a very practical way. So there's a guy, his name is Lionel Messi, and he's like the Babe Ruth of soccer, okay? We really should be cheering for baseball right now, but I'm gonna let you go, right? So, but that's another conversation. So Lionel Messi is the Babe Ruth of soccer. He just signed a gazillion dollar contract with um, Inter Miami. And in fact, this is funny. My wife and I, when we were in Philly, we were supposed to meet with a pastor friend of ours on a Tuesday, and then he said, look, can we meet on Thursday? I'm sorry, I gotta, I gotta break this. Okay, I said, no, dude, I know you're busy, man. So anyway, Thursday, we had dinner and then we took him over to the church. His church actually has donated some finances to Philadelphia Tabernacle. And when I said, man, look, you didn't even have to come tonight. I know how busy you are. He goes, I wasn't busy. He got, I got tickets to see Lionel Messi. <laughs> I said, thanks for bumping us, brother. <laughs> so anyway, Lionel has signed this, um, this great contract, and um, we, we're getting a lot more footage of him since he's plays for Miami. And it turns out that he has a bodyguard who's a former Navy SEAL, and he is always with him. And even when he's on the, on the soccer field, if he's running down and kicking or whatever, on the sideline, there's a guy following Lionel Messi. Okay, it's just unbelievable. Like, wherever he is, the guy is standing there as part of the contract. And, and when you see this guy, nobody's messing with this guy. But he plays a very unique role even when he's walking in. Let me play this for you real quickly. Just 20 seconds. Watch this. That's the, the big dude in the back right here. Okay. So watch this. Take your hands off. Take your hands off. Okay, stop right there. Now, what am I talking about here? You see this guy? A lot of times, condemnation plays the role of this guy in your life, in your heart. Because this guy is saying to everyone around Lionel Messi, he's saying, don't get too close. Don't get too familiar. 
He's not your friend. You can have a picture with him, but he's not your buddy. He is a great prince. Don't touch him. And a lot of times, your heart will say to you when you get close to Jesus, don't get too close to him. Don't put your arm around him. You're not worthy to give Jesus a hug. You're not worthy to sit right next to him. You're not worthy to lay your head on his chest. But right now, I'm telling you, Jesus does not want this guy in your life. Jesus is your protector. Jesus is your keeper. Jesus is the lover of your soul. Stop acting like he doesn't want to be near you. And a lot of people, your own heart is saying, don't get too close to Jesus. Stop agreeing with that guy. The next time you go to pray and you feel like, oh, I can't ask for that big thing that I want. Stop agreeing with that guy. Stop agreeing with that lie because we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. The blood of Jesus has paid it all. Hallelujah. You should feel free. You should feel comfortable. How many would say amen? amen. Condemnation says you can't get too close. Condemnation says keep your distance. Condemnation says you're not welcome. But how many know we are welcome? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You don't, there's the healthy distance between you and Jesus is as close as you can be. That is the healthy, the healthy distance. The healthy distance is no distance at all. And this is why a lot of people, their, their walk with God stays flat and cold, you know. And here's a great meter for you being able to judge your relationship with God. You ready? How comfortable are you in praise and worship? You know? So funny because, like, we talk about the president or we talk about, um, uh, I remember when we were at Brooklyn Tabernacle once, we had this, I can't remember the guy's name, but we had this, this um, gospel singer come who was single. And um, so I, I, I had to kind of partially usher him around. And it was crazy because that day, there were so many single sisters in the office for some reason. <laughs> and it was just a, what a phenomenon. I and so every time, every time he said something, like, maybe it was like to make you smile, they would be like, ah! <laughs> I was like, that wasn't that funny. <laughs> they would just like beside themselves, like they were making over him so much. And it's funny because all of us, we have people, if you're, whatever you're into, like, the, like let's say you're into soccer and Lyle Messi was here, we'd be like, ah, you know, and, and all of the above. And yet some people are like that for things in the world, for places in the world, for people in the world. But when it comes to Jesus, they're like this. Uh-oh, preach it, preach it, right? So, Why? Why, how familiar, how comfortable are you in prayer? How comfortable, 
how comfortable are you with the Bible? These are the things that tell you if you're growing in your fellowship with God. And look, if you're not comfortable, part of what this message is saying is, come on in and make yourself at home. Could we say amen? That's what Jesus is saying. Come on, put your hands together. Hallelujah. Now, very quickly, let's, we're going to do some, uh, uh, this is kind of some simple teaching. You need to understand what Jesus did on the cross. What does the gospel mean? The gospel is the good news that God sent his one and only son to this earth. And his one and only son offered himself as the perfect sacrifice, the one and only payment that could declare you and I totally not guilty. It's through the person of Jesus, the Bible says, there is now peace with God through, everyone, Jesus Christ. There's no other way to find peace with God. There's no other religion. There's no other philosophy. There's only one way. Jesus is unique and special and powerful because he offered himself for you and I. He was perfect. He was sinless. And he offered himself. And when he offered himself, there were two key things that, that his story and that his life provided for us. And I want to put them up for you very, very quickly here. The gospel provides salvation in two ways. First of all, judicially, and that means legally, legally, Jesus paid the death, the debt, the debt. Jesus paid the debt and lived out the sentence for our sin. He lived out the sentence. Okay, someone gets 20 years, someone gets five years, someone gets 100 years. Okay, Jesus lived out the sentence. What was the sentence? He died. He gave his very life. The wages of sin is death. Yes, that is true. When we sin, we deserve death. But the wages of sin is death. However, there's a gift from God. Hallelujah. Jesus lived out the sentence. He died in our place. Legally, you cannot be declared guilty because Jesus, when he died and then rose from the dead in power, he already took the guilty sentence. He already paid the sentence. And so that you and I could be free when the Bible says, whom the sun sets free, we are free indeed in Philadelphia, in Chicago, in New York, wherever you are. It was a legal thing was a legal thing. And then secondly, practically, Jesus provides his power and nearness so that we can walk in victory. But victory comes through fellowship. And the people who don't understand this basic gospel principle, they fall out of fellowship. Listen, my father-in-law gave me a theology book. Uh, even before I got married, I read this book. I want to read a quick quote from it. This is important. The proper distinction between law and grace. The Bible, uh, here's what the guy says. He says, the law, which are the Ten Commandments, and the gospel differ by the promises each holds out. Listen closely in Philly. 
Listen closely to this. But the law's promise has an impossible catch. I'll give you life if you keep me perfectly and without sin. Yes, if you are perfectly sinless, then you don't need Jesus. And you'll have life. You'll have eternal life if you're perfectly sinless. If you keep the law perfectly in every way, every thought, every choice, every decision, every act, then I'll give you life. The problem is, is no one can keep the law except Jesus. So watch. It says, uh, then it says, the gospel, the good news. Everybody say good news. Remember, every time you hear gospel, it means good news. The gospel promises eternal life without condition. Why? For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. This is not your own doing. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. How many are thankful for the gift of salvation? Come on. Come on. Let's put our hands together and cheer. Hallelujah, Jesus. We don't have to work. We don't have to earn it. He did it for us. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So whenever your heart condemns you, your heart is saying that you're not worthy, that you're not wanted, and that breaks fellowship with God. I'll explain in a second. I want to give you a couple of more very important examples of this. When was the, what is the first time we see condemnation? in the Bible. We go all the way back to Genesis and watch this. It says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and watch this. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Okay. Why did they hide from him? It's because they disobeyed. They ate the forbidden fruit. So, so here's Adam and Eve, right? And up until this point, every time they heard the Lord walking into the garden, they would say, the Lord, it's here. Let's go fellowship with him. But this time, when they heard him coming, they ran and they hid in the trees, right? Because sin creates a separation between us and God. So now, right, so you may not know this. I, this is something you learn in Bible school. There's something called the Protean Gospel. The first time the gospel was actually preached, God's plan was as soon as this happened, okay? Genesis 3, 8. Now watch, Genesis 3, 15. Here's what that God is speaking to the serpent, the deceiver, and he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. Watch this. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So listen, here's what this means. God said from the very beginning of time, he said, yes, mankind would sin and fall. Mankind would fail. But from the very moment that mankind failed, 
God had already decided before the foundations of the earth that nothing would stop his love for us and nothing would keep us separated from us. And he would send his son. And yes, Satan struck his heel, but when Jesus rose from the dead, hallelujah, he crushed his head. We have the victory. We have the victory. Victory is ours in Jesus. Hallelujah. Victory is ours in Jesus. Because Jesus totally triumphed over the enemy on the cross. So here's, uh, I got two quick uh, application points, but I want to say one more thing here. A major part of fellowship is that we continue seeking God even when we fail. Even when we fail, we keep on seeking God. Why? Number one, because Jesus paid it all. Everybody say, Jesus paid it all. Even when we fail, Jesus paid it all. If you battle with drugs, if you battle with pornography, if you battle with, uh, uh, with alcohol, if you battle with gossip, if you have secret hate in your heart for other races, if you think you're better than, than other people, if you think like I'm the smartest person in the room, if, whatever it is, if you have ugly things that in a moment of trying to draw near to God, God, his holiness will rebuke you. The holiness of God, when you see how perfect God is, there's something in your heart that says, oh, snap. You know? When that happens, you just need to know that even though that's true, you're still welcome. Okay? You're still wanted. And for us, we're like, it can't be. It can't be, but it's true. Jesus paid it all, and Jesus is our helper. So here, here's, the, here's the crazy thing about this, is that you get condemned, and it makes you want to run. If you get convicted, it makes you want to run towards God. And that's how you know you're growing in your walk with God. And lastly, God is not only merciful, but God is good. Everybody say, God is good. God is good. Say it again. God is good. Hallelujah. Let's put our hands together and say God is good in Philadelphia. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So look, when, you're, when your conscience is like, like spirit-led, right, even when you say I'm wrong before God, you run to him. I have to go to him. You know? When you're not, when you feel off, you're like, I got to go to God. If they can send me a keyboard player, you, you say, I got to go to God. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I just said that. I got to go to God. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I just did that. I got to go to God. Or I thought that, I got to go to God. Because Jesus is our helper. You see? Now when you say, oh my goodness, I did that. I got to stay away from God. That's condemnation. That's not the voice of God. That's the voice of your heart under the, dece the deception of the devil. And so, quick, couple application very quickly here, and then we're going to pray together. So...
what do we need to do here? What is this, this, this text telling us today? What do you need to practice probably even today? Number one, break agreement with condemnation. Here's what we need to understand today. When we agree with con condemnation, when you agree with condemnation, you're actually disagreeing with God. Okay? When you disagree with God, you're breaking fellowship. This is it. Okay? When you agree with condemnation, you're disagreeing with God. Condemnation says God doesn't want you. The gospel says God loves you with an everlasting love. Hallelujah. Condemnation says because of what you did, you're not worthy and you're not wanted in the presence of God. The gospel says come as you are every time, all the time. And if you just confess it, there's forgiveness, there's cleansing. The blood of Jesus will wash it all away and you will get a brand new start and brand new strength and brand new help from God, the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So what's your self-talk like? Condemnation is partially self-talk, you know. If you're one of those people, look, oh, I'm so dumb. Why did you say that? What a dummy. I'm so this. I'm so that. I'm so that. That's condemnation. And you got to take a look at your self-talk. What is your self-talk? Like, do you have godly, biblical self-talk? Listen to David's self-talk. Great men and women of God. It says, you, Lord, are all I have, and you give me all I need. My future is in your hands. How wonderful are your gifts to me. How good they are. I praise the Lord because he guides me. In the night, my conscience warns me. I'm always, a, I'm always aware of the Lord's presence. He's near, and nothing can shake me. You need to walk around saying, he's near, and nothing can shake me. He's near, and nothing can shake me. Nothing can and shake me. The quality of your life will completely change. The quality of your days. I'm talking about your days. I'm not talking about when you're here. I'm talking about when you're not here. The quality of your days will change when you break agreement with condemnation. Listen to this. This was... Um, I, I, I put a quote up by Brennan Manning the other day. I love this. Listen to this. One morning at prayer, I heard this word. Little brother, I witnessed a Peter who claimed that he did not know me. Remember when Peter denied Jesus? A James who wanted power in return for service to the kingdom. A Philip who failed to see the father in me and scores of disciples who were convinced I was finished on, Cal uh, on Calvary, on the cross. The New Testament has many examples of men and women who start out well and then faltered along the way. Anybody know a little bit about that? Okay, don't raise your hands. Watch this. Yet on Easter night, I appeared to Peter. James is not remembered for his ambition, but for the sacrifice of his life for me. 
Philip did see the Father in me, and when I pointed the uh, 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 in me when I pointed the way. And the disciples who despaired had enough courage to recognize me when we broke bread at the end of the road to Emmaus. My point, little brother, is this. I expect more failure uh, from you than you expect from yourself. God knows we're going to fail. God knows we're going to mess up. But it doesn't change his love for us, his desire for us. One iota, one drop, one period, nothing. So break agreement with condemnation. Break agreement with those arguments inside of you. Stop agreeing. Everybody say, stop agreeing. Stop agreeing with the negative talk. Stop agreeing with the personal put down. Stop agreeing because it breaks fellowship with God. And if you do this too much, it becomes a stronghold. It becomes a stronghold. Listen to this. This is very, very important. This is what it means in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought, everyone say every thought. You can take charge of every thought. We take every thought captive to obey Christ. Breaking agreement with condemnation means breaking agreement with negative self-talk. Stop putting yourself down as if you're right when you're wrong. Stop the self-put-downs. Secondly, we break agreement when we stop uh, receiving those truths that say that puts Christ down, that put his love down, that put the cross down, that put his works down, that somehow puts him down to the point that he would not want us. You got to break agreement with that. This is so powerful, so true. These are keys to fellowship. When you can shut that voice up, and listen, even the most godly people can be victims of their own self-talk. I've battled with it many times myself. Sometimes you gotta say, heart, be quiet. Or Satan, get thee behind me. But I agree with Jesus. Come on, I agree with Jesus. Hallelujah. I agree with Jesus. Last thing I'll say before the final point, which, which, which will just be a moment. But look, I have found over the years, I have found that the great men and women of God in history and even now, you gotta be able to talk yourself through certain. You have to be able to quote the Bible. You have to be able to, to, like a friend of mine says, flip the script. And when the devil is saying all these horrible things, you tell him about Jesus. You want to talk about me? Well, I want to talk about Jesus and see what you have to say, Satan. You understand? This is the internal battle that keeps us down. But you can stop agreeing with condemnation. And then lastly... You need to start agreeing with his goodness. You need to start agreeing with his goodness. In the book of Romans, chapter 1, it says, There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Everybody say, no condemnation. No condemnation. 
right? But then look at how Romans chapter 8 is a fantastic chapter on this topic. It starts with there's no condemnation, and here's how it ends, and I want to read this to you. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced. Is anybody here convinced in what Jesus has done? Come on, in Philadelphia, are you convinced? Are you convinced in what Jesus has done? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Could we put our hands together? Hallelujah! Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Look, you know what this reminds me of? Everyone will relate to this, I think. Do you remember the first time you got a credit card? It's a funny feeling, like it's been a while. First time you get a credit card, you get the thing in the mail. I don't know, what, 1920? You pull the thing off, you sign it, and then you show up to the store. And the first time, you like have the audacity to not pull out cash. It's the first time you're not pulling out cash. You know what I'm saying? And you pull out this card, and you hand it to the person, and then you pray for the next 30 seconds, so let it go through, let it go through, let it go through. How many know that feeling, right? Come on, go way back with me. You're like, let it go through, let it go through, let it go through. And then you're like, and you already like five excuses. Oh, well, you know, I just got it. And uh, yeah, all of those excuses that just in case it doesn't go through. But when it goes through, you're like, hallelujah. And, and then the, the first time you go with some friends and you pull it out, it goes through and you're like, oh, let it go through, let it go through, let it go through. Please don't shame me now. You know what I'm saying? But then you get used to it. But look, it's not on your dime. It's not on your credit. It's on Jesus' credit. And Jesus paid it all. Hallelujah. So when you get to the throne room of grace, don't feel like you're going to be rejected. Your credit is no good here. It's not even your credit. It's all his credit. 